The April 20th Mindful Parenting Retreat Day is filling up fast. Join me and other parents in Wilmington, Delaware for a day of rest and relaxation, mindfulness and mindful communication practices, and a live podcast too. And my special guest for the live podcast is, drumroll please, Lynetta Willis. You know her from episode 366 and 400. She is a psychologist and sought-after speaker who teaches her Triggered to Transformed program to struggling parents. Join us and bring a friend to this powerful day-long retreat in Wilmington, Delaware on April 20th, 2024. But hurry, space is limited. Go to mindfulmamamentor.com slash retreat to get your spot now. That's mindfulmamamentor.com slash retreat. What's a good man? And the men say, protecting the people I love, mm-hmm. providing for the people that I love, um, standing up for the little guy, right? These are having integrity. These very, I, I think, amazing qualities that we want to encourage our, our boys and men and really everyone, regardless of gender, to have. When he says, okay, what's a real man? Then <laughs> it's, he gets very different answers. You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast, episode number 207. Today, we're talking about mindful masculinity with Liz Plank. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Here, it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clark Fields, Mindful Mama mentor. I help smart, thoughtful parents stay calm so they can have strong, connected relationships with their children. I've been practicing mindfulness for over 20 years. I'm the creator of the Mindful Parenting Membership, and I'm the author of Raising Good Humans, a mindful guide to breaking the cycle of reactive parenting and raising kind, confident kids. Welcome back to the podcast, my friend. I am so glad you are here. This is going to be a really powerful episode. The first in a couple that we're doing about raising boys and looking at masculinity. And... This is a special one, you know, like in the, in the community, in the community of people who are subscribed to the Mindful Mama um, newsletter, we have about 22,000 amazing people and we have some amazing mindful men who I'm just giving a shout out to right here. You know who you are. Um, so in just a moment, I'm going to be sitting down and talking to Liz Plank, and she's the author of For the Love of Men, a new vision for mindful masculinity, and an award-winning journalist, as well as the host of a several acclaimed digital series at Vox Media. And she regularly appears on MSNBC, offering her perspective on national politics, disability, and women's issues. And in this episode, we're going to talk about this idea of the ideal masculinity and that box, right, that that it puts men in, where men can have no vulnerability or weakness, no crying. They're always absolutely sure of themselves and they always win and how it's actually hurting men and boys and what we as parents can do to help change this. So I want you to listen for some really important ideas. You know, this ideal masculinity ideas, these can really cripple boys' development and actually sabotage their success. And that boys, many boys are suffering from undiagnosed mental health problems. And then looking at finally, you know, what we need, what boys need most and looking at emotional education. So this is going to be a very powerful episode. I invite you to share it with, if you're a female, to share it with all the men in your life whatever gender you identify with, to, to share it around so we can start this conversation and, and really keep it going. Before we dive in, I just want to let you know that the Mindful Mama Retreat is now open for, and people are grabbing their spots right away. So we have limited spots. We are going to be having, I'm holding a one-day retreat on March 21st in Philadelphia. I know some people are, I have some people flying in from Seattle, shout out uh, to you, you know who you are. And um, it's going to be very exciting. So you can get your ticket at um, mindfulmamamentor.com slash retreat. And we will have 
early bird tickets available through February 15th only. And then after that, but they're, they're pretty, um, reasonable. So I'm so excited for you to come. If you want a day where you're really just a day to yourself to get into the big picture, we're going to be doing mindfulness practices. We're going to be working on mindful communication and really wonderful, deep inner listening. We'll be doing yoga with one of my favorite yoga teachers. Not me, actually, a, a wonderful teacher I know. I brought to Costa Rica last year, Mallory. So um, I hope you can make it. It's at mindfulmamamentor.com slash retreat. And if you can't make it, we will be holding the Unmartyr Yourself Challenge after that in March, um, from March uh, 24th through 30th. And you can sign up for that. It's uh, for anyone anywhere in the world at um, mindfulmamamentor.com slash unmartyr. That's U-N-M-A-R-T-Y-R. And uh, this is to help free ourselves from these uh, harmful limiting beliefs. So join me. That's mindfulmamamentor.com slash unmartyr. So I hope to see you there or at the retreat or both. That would be awesome. Amazing. So anyway, I hope you enjoy this episode. Let's dive in without further ado, my interview with Liz Plank. Liz Plank, thanks so much for coming on the Mindful Mama podcast. I am so thrilled. I love mindfulness and I love mamas, so <laughs> I couldn't be more thrilled. <laughs> so I'm so excited to talk to you about your book, For the Love of Men, but I have to, I have to ask like, a question first. So recently I was on the New Jersey Turnpike with my husband at the end of like the longest drive home ever from New England. And, um, and I put on, um, your, a podcast interview that you did with, um, I can't remember who it was, but anyway, and I, we're listening to it and then he's starting to get this like kind of stanky look on his face. And this is like a very smart, thoughtful guy. Um, but he had an objection to Mm. like looking at half the population in this broad generalization. So I just wanted to kind of address that first. I thought that would be good to, you know, do you have any problems with kind of speaking uh, to half of humanity or, or like, are there benefits to this that I can relate to him? So what, what do you think about that? Well, I think, does he have the same issue with, um, you know, us talking about the struggles that women as a group face? So, you know, I, I, I'm guessing you have, you have daughters, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. Daughters? daughters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I guess I would ask um, him, you know, d- 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 does he have trouble with uh, scholarship or with studies uh, or with, um, you know, experts basically talking about the struggles that are unique to the other half of the population, which is, which is girls and, and, and women. And, and, and maybe he does. Um, but I'm, I'm curious, maybe that's a good place to start. Well, or does he a, just have a problem with it when it's his half? <laughs> I don't know. That's a really big point. And I wish I had asked that question. I'm going to have to bring that up. <laughs> but I love, I love what you talk about and with your book. And I love this idea of looking at masculinity itself and, and bringing men into the conversation. I definitely want to talk about also like boys and raising children too. But in the beginning of your book, you say that there's no greater threat to humankind than our current definitions of masculinity. So I was wondering if you could tell, talk to us a little bit about like what are these what are these definitions and and why you know I guess how they threaten women and how they threaten men are very different right so so just talk to us a little bit about this how is it a threat to mankind and these definitions of masculinity yeah well I think that we have spent a lot of time talking about how uh, bad it is for girls uh, and women to grow up in a society where uh, certain ideals are imposed onto them or certain restrictions are imposed onto them, right? So we have a really uh, mainstream conversation about the importance of having uh, women uh, in all kinds of fields, right? In teaching and nursing, but also in engineering and in coding and in math. <laughs> and 
we have a conversation about violence against women and violence against girls and how difficult it can be for women uh, and girls around the world to grow up in a society where um, their safety is threatened, where their um, integrity is jeopardized and, and, and where they're yeah, turned into objects or that their violence is justified because they're girls, because they're women. Uh, we've been talking about rape culture. We've been talking about rape on campus, but some of the lies that support or encourage a kind of culture where girls and women are in danger. And I guess I'm, you know, I've been having and participate in this conversation for um, a really long time. I've been a journalist for several years. I have a master's in gender and social policy. I've been writing and speaking about these issues for a really long time, and I'm very passionate about women. But I also think that we have forgotten um, to your husband's point, the other half of the population who are also impacted by their gender, who are also instructed to act a certain way, to hide certain parts of themselves, to uh, fulfill certain expectations. And um, those ideals can be just as uh, threatening, can be just as diminishing and degrading uh, for boys and men as I think they are for women and girls. So a lot of those expectations, uh, you know, range. Um, I'm definitely, uh, I, I don't think women and girls can be painted in one broad brush. Um, the conversation around uh, gender equality, I think, needs to be obviously intersectional. And we're not saying that every woman and every girl is oppressed in every uh, in, in the exact same way in our society. We're saying that there are certain structures that we have in place. There are certain ways that our governments do policy. There are certain um, inequalities that are embedded in our institutions that create a certain kind of uh, inequality that's, that create a certain kind of ideal that a lot of women and girls uh, can't achieve. And so the, th the same thing is happening with boys and men. When someone is pregnant, the first question that you ask them is, is it a boy or is it a girl? Even in 20, you know, 2019, even more uh, now. It's yes, so weird. Like when I when I had my daughters, there's no gender reveal thing. Like that was not a thing like yes. 10 years ago. I don't exactly. know where that came from. Well, we give a lot of importance to gender, whether it's a girl or whether it's a boy or whether it's anything in between, right? So um, we will uh, get that uh, child certain gifts, right? We will uh, choose certain toys, choose certain uh, movies and films that they can watch and, and those that are not acceptable for them to watch. So in America right now um, and in many other parts of the world, but, but you know, I'm specifically interested in the American context and in the book, um, most parents are more at ease seeing a boy play with a toy gun than a toy doll. Um, there are a lot of parents who believe that it's child abuse to uh, let your boy have manicures or to let him wear nail polish if he wants. To really? let him bring a doll. Yeah, I mean, this is I documented in the book. Um, American Girl, for example, which is obviously anyone who's a parent knows, um, is an incredibly uh, huge company that um, you know is, is incredibly popular. Young girls love American Girl dolls, and the most the, the thing that was in most demand for American Girl was to have a boy doll because there were many boys who were asking for a marriage for, for, for a doll and um, you know and, and and wanted a boy doll that looked like them and they finally put one out very recently. And you can, you know, look at all of the backlash online. You can look at the backlash, you know, and again, I detail it in the book, but you can Google it yourself. Um, even recently, Gabrielle Union uh, and her husband shared a photo with their kids and uh, around the holidays and around Thanksgiving saying what they were grateful for. A very wholesome photo of them sharing the love that they have with their family. People noticed that their son was wearing nail polish or was wearing fake nails or whatever. And um, that was... Uh, there were so many hateful comments, and that backlash was also documented. So a lot of people mm. believe that it is against boys' nature to let them feel anything, to let them play with something that feels something, um, to encourage them to, you know, to put it very plainly, um, uh, explore their feminine energy. Um, we have no problem with girls playing with monster trucks, with, uh, you know, things that we traditionally deem as masculine. In fact, we encourage it. So why don't we encourage it for boys too? 
It's it's so true. I mean, having girls like right at this sort of moment, like I can tell you there are so many resources to encourage girls to be brave and do all these different things exactly. and, and do STEM and do all kinds, you know, there's just all this like brave girl stuff. Like there is so much of it. And I have been wondering kind yeah. of like, okay, where's the other side of it? So let's let's kind of talk about what is this box that we're putting men in and boys in? What what are the what are the ideals? Let's just define what it is that is this ideal masculinity. You know, some healthy skepticism in my life has served me well. And if you're like that, if you can spot a too good to be true health hack from about a mile away, you read labels like it's your job, congratulations, you're a skeptic. And Ritual knows that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds your standards. I take Ritual's Essentials for Women 18 Plus every single day, morning and at lunch. And I am feeling great. I love this vitamin. Ritual's Essentials for Women is USP verified, so you know you can trust what you're putting in your body. Only about 1% of supplement brands on the market have the USP verified mark, which shows the product contains the ingredients actually listed on the label. Plus, Ritual Vitamins are vegan, non-GMO, project verified, gluten and major allergen free, certified B Corp, and made traceable. They select lower carbon packaging, they prioritize sustainably sourced ingredients, and set ambitious climate goals. Plus, Ritual is a female-founded B Corp, which means they are responsible to the health of people and our planet. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash mindful. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash mindful for 25% off. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. All right, I'm just going to wait for this airplane to... Yes. <laughs> Sounds like it's wide above my head. That's okay. Um, I'll edit that out. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I think that, again... Um, just like with girls and women, there are expectations that are there out in the world. Some girls and women feel more of a pressure to respond to those expectations, depending on a wide set of, uh, you know, uh, sort of variables from how they were raised, where they were raised, and, and, and what kind of personality they have. Um, but, but for boys, so, so, so for girls, um, you know, you talked about these books that are out there to encourage them to be more brave and to be more uh, assertive, um, which, by the way, are, again, traditionally masculine characteristics. They're, they're characteristics that we associate with the masculine, right? Having more, um, you know, confidence, being more assertive, uh, saying what you want, saying what you need. Um, these are things that we, uh, not just for young girls, but even if we look at the lean-in movement and even, you know, the wider movement, the wider women's movement, encouraging women to ask for, uh, you know, to, to, to demand to be paid equally to men or to demand um, a certain negotiation or uh, respect in the workplace. Um, so we're, to your point, there's a lot of support for women to overcome those ideals of femininity that tell us, don't take up too much space. Don't say things, uh, you know, don't ask for what you want or else they won't like you all of these ways, right? And, and there's actual punishment for women who do engage uh, in uh, 
being more assertive in the workplace. If you're a woman of color, uh, particularly, it's even worse, right? You'll be labeled as the, not just as an angry woman, but the angry black woman. So it's, it's, it's very difficult for, for a lot of women to sort of overcome the ideals that are, that are even imposed onto them, even if they have worked out, um, you know, their own uh, way to liberate themselves from it. So for men, the ideals are absolutely, uh, you know, to be, to be, to be absolutely sure of yourself at every point, right? Vulnerability and showing weakness is basically, um, you know, based on research from Brene Brown, who's the foremost expert on uh, shame. Uh, women experience shame because they're not perfect. Men experience shame because they're weak. So they are told from a very young age, uh, right? If they show emotion, if they cry, boys don't cry. Stop doing that. Stop crying. There, so the message there being there's something wrong with you when you do that and you must stop and you must make sure that no one sees you do this. Um, and so these are, I think, traumatic uh, experiences um, for, for, for a lot of boys in the way that it's traumatic for a young girl to be told to be silent or to not take up space. I think that's, that's not the, that, that does not promote um, child development. So, so um, yeah, boys are told to be, you know, to always know what to say, not to ask questions. Um, and these are, by the way, not things that I have uh, come up with myself. These are, you know, from a series of interviews that I've done. And also there's a lot of research out there um, that's available to uh, really dissect these issues. Um, there's the idea that you, yeah, you always have to win, that you have to dominate that you, you know, the, the way that it was explained to me was by Michael Kimmel, who's a masculinity professor and has been doing this work for years with men and boys. Um, he's done this exercise with, with thousands and thousands of men where he says, what's a good man? And the men say, protecting the people I love, mm -hmm. providing for the people that I love, um, standing up for the little guy, right? These are having integrity, these very... I think amazing qualities that we want to encourage our, our boys and men and really everyone, regardless of gender to have. When he says, okay, what's a real man? Then it's, he gets very different answers from those same men. So that's when they'll start saying, always win, right? Mm -hmm. uh, get laid, uh, dominate, always, you know, uh, be on top, right? That, and, and these are, you know, again, being competitive and being aggressive, sometimes those are those are worthy. Those are worthy of the you know situation that you're in, um, but that shouldn't be what you're expected to do all the time. Um, and uh, I think that it's that 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 we see the difference right where men um, want to be good men and boys want to be good boys, and they know what that feels like, but society, and, and I think our culture, is uh, giving them a very different um, message about who they should be. And I think that that, that that is really a shame. I think that it's very, I think that it's not so scarring for some men, and I think it's incredibly scarring for a lot of men. And um, I, I think that if we don't create space where we can talk about this, if we don't create space where um, we can have a curiosity about what it means to grow up as a boy in our society, um, then then we're never going to solve women's problems. By the way, <laughs> right? We're never going to solve um, any any of the world's biggest problems because what you see um, in the research is that, you know, we're seeing a lot of groups that are not so good uh, out there, right? The rise of the alt-right, we're seeing a lot of, uh, you know, groups on 4chan, on 8chan, we're seeing men go out and shoot up Walmarts um, because and of, of, you know, and, and, and having started um, their path to violence on these online threads, um, these, these groups are responding to real pain. These groups are responding to, I think, a real craving that a lot of men, young men have in our society to, to be heard and, and, and to have a sense of community and to be seen um, and to be celebrated. And I, and I think that if we don't offer a positive conversation and a positive path for that, we're, we're really setting them up to fail. It's so frustrating because 
you know, from sort of outward appearances, right? This whole sort of setup seems to be working in men's favor, but it really isn't. It's only we're working for maybe the men who are at the very top and who knows what it's really of this hierarchy. And then who knows what it's like for them actually internally and and in their day-to-day inner experience. And, and it's so damaging to, you know, this idea that we, we have to, men have to be aggressive, men have to dominate is so damaging to, to everyone, to men, to women and all of this. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's incredibly frustrating. So you, this, you, you talk about, um, in your, in an in, in interview, in that interview I heard with you, you talked about your experience, like kind of leading up to this work and wanting to start this conversation, which I'm so glad that you are putting out there in this, in this really loving, beautiful way for men, you had an experience in high school in a, in a very like, you know, well-regarded elite high school that may have been something that Mm -hmm. sort of started you on this path. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, I was, uh, pretty severely bullied, uh, as a teenage girl and, um, like everyone, you know, I had bickering and, you know, conflicts with, with teenage girls. And, and that was, you know, the model of quote unquote toxicity that I was given that like, you know, girls go after other girls and that that's, you know, what girls do and that's what bullying looks like. And of course I experienced some, some of that, but the most scarring and the most violent and, um, and the most traumatic, uh, form of bullying was actually all, all boys. And it started from, you know, my best friend who was, uh, you know, my age and and we were very, very good friends. And at a certain point, I think he, I mean, I got a boyfriend. That's, that's, that's the long story short. And then everything changed. He went from being the person that was the safest to me to being the person that was the least safe to me. And uh, it was, you know, death threats, it was threatening emails, it was uh, cyberbullying even at the time, which, you know, I have so much compassion for young people growing up in this day and age because we didn't, we didn't even have, you know, Facebook and Snapchat, um, but even with what was available at the time, you know, they're circulating photos and circulating, um, you know, different hate uh, messages. And so I, yeah, ended up having to change schools and and I never, I really never thought about that as a, as a gendered experience. Like I, I, I don't, I didn't identify as a feminist, uh, even though my mom was like this big feminist and it was a constant, uh, you know, cause of conflict between the both of us. She'd be like, why aren't you a feminist? And I was like, I just don't, you know, it was like not cool, you know, to be a feminist. And, and I think that it was, I, I regarded it in the way that I think our mainstream culture regarded it at the time, which was like, you know, uh, unattractive, uh, radical, uh, hating men and all that stuff. And so, but, but only, I think really with time and with a lot of reflection, first of all, was I able to be like, oh, I was bullied. Um, and not just I was bullied, but like this was, this was, I mean, a form of, of obviously sexual harassment and in some instances, sexual assault. Um, but, but I just, I had no language to, or honestly consciousness in, in which to understand it that way at the time. So I obviously just thought there's something wrong with me, right? You, mm-hmm. that's what you do when you're not able, when, when, when there's no one to really support you in your ability to understand that your pain and your suffering is not unique, mm-hmm. you will blame yourself <laughs> for that pain and that suffering, which will only make that pain and that suffering worse. And you will attribute that pain and that suffering and that, uh, you know, in, in my case, that that rupture of connection, right? That that rejection of my, my own peers um, as, as a sign that there's something wrong with you. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, with my writing and, and, and journalism and, 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 and as I continued also my academic career in gender studies, I came to really understand that experience a lot better and actually also see the way that, um, I mean, how helpful it is for me to understand 
the pain that, that, that my best friend was going through, mm-hmm. given our society, given that he clearly had no way to manage his own emotions and to manage his own um, sense of rejection or actual rejection. You know, I, I did not want to be his girlfriend. I, want, I, was, I loved him dearly, but there, there was no romantic, you know, future for us. And so I, I wish that, you know, I, I just think, wow, my life could have been completely different if, um, if maybe he had been taught um, how to manage that and uh, not use violence, uh, you know, against me and violence, I think, against himself. You know, when you're, when you're hurting other people, you're also hurting yourself. Um, I think if, you know, I think about how different the world, the world my, my life could have been, but I also think about how different his life could have been. You know, and mm-hmm. and I also have reflected a lot about the bullying that was happening amongst the men, uh, the boys. I mean, <laughs> the the teenage boys were bullying me, right? So, to your point uh, in your question, there's a hierarchy within men and within boys, and uh, it is not an enjoyable, uh, you know, uh, place to be when you're not at the top. And most men are are not at the top. Um, and so, and, and that's where race comes in. That's where gender, uh, you know, gender identity, uh, you know, sexual orientation, religion, all of those things come in where I, you know, the men, the, the, the boys that were at the bottom of that uh, sort of masculinity totem pole at, at my school were the boys who were believed to be gay, were the boys who were feminine, were the boys who, you know, did not, um, were, were, were not, didn't have the right shoes or the right things to, you know, uh, didn't act in, in, in a, you know, they, honestly, they, they, they were poor. Like it was just, clear how all of these things intersected. And, and I think it's important for us to just, you know, as parents, but just as like human beings in the world um, to reflect on, 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 on that, on what it's like to grow up as a teenage boy and, and what kind of struggles um, can, can occur and, and how to your point to, to really have um, a system, a, a support system to, to, to make sure that, that, that men and boys, yeah, don't hurt, um, others, but also don't hurt themselves. Oh, I'm so sorry, Liz. To, <laughs> I mean, it, it's funny because I think in, in a lot of ways, like you and I are doing the same work because, you know, I talk a lot on the podcast about how in, in my own point of view, you know, uh, one of the things I teach all the time is how to, how to take care of difficult feelings, right? Like I, mm-hmm. I teach mindful parenting yeah. and that's a big, big part of it is how to take care of difficult feelings so that yeah. we're not so reactive. And also, so we're modeling that for our kids and we're teaching our kids mm-hmm. to do that. We have to do that mm-hmm. for ourselves first, but like nobody in our society is taught how to, you know, how to move through our difficult feelings, uh, you know, with, with skill at all. And I think of almost every big problem in the world that you, like you talk about, like a, a aggression, like the uh, gun violence, the, uh-huh. all the di- big issues, like it, it, almost every single one can be traced back to usually a man not being able to take care of their difficult feelings and like lashing out enormously in these hugely destructive ways. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I have a question here. I'm just like, it's so frustrating to me that, that, you know, this thing that is, that is on top, like is, is hurting so much of us. So I guess, I guess what I'm kind of asking you in in a way is to think about like, you know, what are, what are you, what are you advocating for the change? Like, what are, what are we kind of wanting to shift to and how can we start to take these steps to, to shift to it? I mean, besides just starting the conversation, which is an amazing step, but, but what, what, what do they need? What do men and boys need? Yeah, I think that everything that you're saying is so important and it's also so simple but the, sometimes the simplest things are the hardest to, to, to do. And I think it really, you know, I think girls also, and women uh, are not always taught how to manage difficult emotions too. Um, the difference between that, that we see in the research um, though, is that when, you know, girls and women tend to take it, take that violence inward um, when they aren't able to, you know, process or, or yeah, I mean, process trauma and boys, um, some of them also take it inward, but, but there's a real 
stark difference where they tend to take it outward. So that aggression, um, again, I mean, can turn against, can turn against others. It, it becomes a school shooting. It becomes um, a, yeah, a, a domestic uh, abuse situation. It becomes, you know, and, and the real, uh, the real issue here too, and, and crisis that we're not talking about is, is that it's, it's not always outward or sometimes the outward aggression that men and boys um, sort of display is also t- ends up being turned inward through suicide. Mm-hmm. So 80% of the people who die from suicide are men oh, and gosh. two thirds of gun deaths in America are not school shootings. They're deaths by suicide. Two thirds, two thirds. So I think that when we, I mean, that's a, cry for help, right? That's a, those are deaths of desperation. And that, that should signal to us that there is something, you know, that, that the, yeah, the emotions of boys and men that, that, that are, are, are not being properly, you know, there's not proper uh, attendance, attendance to them or attention to them or that men and boys, yeah, are, are, don't have the tools to process very difficult things. Um, and it, and it's, these are, you know, undiagnosed mental health problems. Um, and, and so this is, is a conversation around, around mental health. And I, I think it's, and again, you know, to answer your question really specifically, I think it's about emotional education, right? That mm-hmm. it's wild that you can graduate from years and years of, you know, your entire you know, life, um, growing up before becoming an adult, being in school and learning about, you know, the square root of whatever and things that I, you know, frankly, 90% of it, I don't remember and have not used in my daily life, but I never learned about attachment theory. I never learned about, you know, what my attachment style is and how to be kind and how to be in a relationship and that how relationships are teaching assignments, that they're not meant to fix you. They're meant to heal you and that they're meant to be, you know, moments of growth and that fights are normal. We're not taught how to, how to fight. Right. Um, and, and those are, those are the life skills that, that, that are, I think, lacking for all of us. Um, but that we have a, we have a chance to, to sort of change. And so there's actually a lot of, um, different programs now that are specifically focused on, on, on boys and, and, uh, you know, emotional intelligence, basically. So EQ um, is starting to replace IQ as the best predictor of someone's success and someone's even financial success in their lives. So having emotional intelligence, you know, obviously being smart is great and, you know, I'm not diminishing what that can do for someone's life, but, but the emotional intelligence of a, of a person is uh, just ha- has just become much more important because of, you know, honestly, the economic changes in our society. So we're moving from uh, a manufacturing based economy to a service economy, right? The fastest growing jobs are, are jobs that actually require a lot of emotional labor. Um, there are jobs that, you know, women tend to be quote unquote naturally better at. Um, but, but, we're all social beings, you know, we're all emotional creatures. There's nothing about the male brain that is different. Um, really it's, it's, it's uh, a lot of this is in the way that we're socialized in the way that we're raised. And so, yeah, if you're given a doll, you're, you're learning about empathy, you know, it, play is, as you know, um, is actually, you know, as adults, we think it's, it's, it's trivial. And but for children, that's how they learn everything. So if, if we're selecting out, you know, um, certain, certain games and certain toys um, that teach empathy, that, ta- that teach collaboration, that teach love and kindness, uh, because it will make boys soft, or because it'll, you know, that's not what they need. They're naturally rambunctious and we have to teach everything through sports, which is, by the way, again, I'm not making this up. There's a, uh, I documented in the book, there's a institute called the Gurian Institute. You can Google it. Um, they get thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars from school boards every year to go into their classes and um, instruct teachers to make less eye contact with boys 
to mm. uh, teach boys through sports because that's the only way that they can actually learn um, to uh, be more aggressive with them. Um, that you, you know, you know, like to that that some and then obviously the flip side of all the things that they encourage you know us to teach girls through tea parties and you know whatever. So there's a real belief that again boys and girls are inherently different, and it's just not. True. You know, they're, and this is not to deny that, you know, we're all different, right? Like, you know, we're, we're all unique, duh. We're all, you know, little snowflakes and we all have our individual DNAs and individual environments we grew up in. And, and, and yeah, we're, we're, we're all special and we're all different. But when we box kids into a, a, you know, a certain learning curve or a certain learning, um, you know, sort of technique or, or yeah, like, you know, sports is a good example. Like I had this conversation with my dad a couple weeks ago after he read the book and he had never talked to me or anyone about this before, but he was like, reading your book actually really made me think about how hard it was that I just didn't really like sports. Like, and, and I didn't like, you know, now he's a cross country skier. Like he's, he's very active and and athletic, but the, 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 you know, quote unquote, like, traditional sports that were expected that all the, you know, all the boys were expected to play like soccer and, you know, hockey or whatever. Um, those were just, he just wasn't good at it. And he just like, wasn't very interested in it. And he thought that there was something wrong with him, you know? And, you know, it's, this is not to say we shouldn't have boys shouldn't be in sports. <laughs> you know, it's like everyone should, everyone who likes sports should do sports. And, uh, you know, we should encourage kids to be active, but we shouldn't be, you know, I, I think, you know, the idea of, of, of conscious parenting is, is the one that I ascribe to, which is, um, you know, we are here to not mold our kids into a certain kind of way and mold them into a certain kind of adult. We're here to support their, fo- their, fo- their own fulfillment as human beings. And, um, and, and I think that sometimes that kind of gets lost when, when we look at the ways that, you know, you are, a lot of kids are boxed into a certain kind of, um, into a certain kind of way of being raised, you know, not just in the home and even in very gender neutral homes, which was my home, by the way, like I wasn't, I only could play with my neighbor's Barbies, uh, secondhand. I didn't get my own Barbies. Um, I never, you know, owned a Disney movie in my life. The only one that they let me watch was Bambi, which was too scary and sad for me. So <laughs> scary. And, like, oh, that's so God. sad. I was, it just made me cry all the time. So I was like, I just didn't grow up with that. But, but, but I was, you know, obsessed with all that, all that stuff because I was still exposed to it. You know, you go to school, you go to friend's house, like it's everywhere. So, so I think it's just, let's just be more conscious um, well, about, inter- about that. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. <laughs> well, you're aiming more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy The Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of The Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. 
And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy. Well, it's interesting because like, you know, there there the whole debate about, you know, are there any differences between men and women biologically? Like, you know, it seems like there's, you know, basically we're, you know, for the the vast majority of us, you know, we're we're the same and then there's some there are some differences. Obviously, they have stronger muscles and more testosterone and things like that. But it doesn't even matter because if, you know, if, yeah, if boys are exactly. committing suicide more and if they're like, you know, we're having all these problems yeah. with aggression and they're boxed in and they're unable to like, you know, we're having all these incredible problems, then it doesn't, who cares if there are biological differences? Yeah. Like we still need to be, you're right. Yeah. We all need to have an emotional education. We need to be taught how to take care of difficult feelings and, and communicate skillfully. Like it, 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 it doesn't even matter. So yeah. I find it bizarre that we obsess about it. I really do. I think that it's, you know, it, it, again, I, and not to say that we have not done this um, and it still occurs, but like, it's like being obsessed if, you know, white people are inherently smarter than black people. It's so, you know, it's so degrading. And, and thankfully it's, you know, I think generally looked down upon to make those kinds of arguments. Although, some people are still making them and, or they're still embedded in our culture, but it's just, you know, or that straight people are inherently, I don't know what then gay people, like who cares? Like, like let's just make the world a good place, whoever you are, you know? And, and this obsession with, um, with, yeah, trying to prove either one to me is, is not the interesting debate. It really isn't. Um, we won't live in a world where uh, someone is not exposed to nature or nurture. It's impossible unless we go back to a time where we could, you know, do experiments that, uh, you know, violated every law of ethic uh, possible. Mm -hmm. Um, We can't raise kids in test tubes and leave them alone in a dark room and see what happens. So let's just, you know, try and make the best uh, of the world that we have um, and, and, and acknowledge the fact that, Yes, we are human beings who are hardwired for certain things. Uh, we're hardwired for connection. We're hardwired um, to to want to to be loved and to be and to feel like we matter. We're also hard. We're a social species, so we're always going to imitate. We're always going to learn from others. And so, why don't we just make that as much of a positive process as we can, and and, and make that learning, you know create models of, of, of learning that make the world a better place and everyone more free to be who they want to be. Well, this is so interesting because it goes to into so many directions, right? If we think about what the solution is, because you, you know, you talked about, we always imitate, we always learn. And I always say like, you know, the kids are, are great, terrible at doing what we say, but great at doing what we do, right? Like it's really about right. who, who we are in some ways as parents. So I'm wondering like, you know, there's a lot of questions here, I guess, for both, um, for both moms and for dads, Mm -hmm. like, you know, for, for women, right. I think that the, you know, the, the listeners, you mostly are women here and there, there are some men, Hey, shout out guys. Um, you know, we want to (laughs) be looking at ourselves, right. Like we want to be looking at ourselves and our assumptions. So I'm wondering if there are some certain places, Liz, that you would recommend for women, for moms raising boys, where mm-hmm. we can look at our our beliefs and our assumptions, and maybe the language we use, and kind of check ourselves. Can you can you identify any places for that? Yeah, I mean, there's um, a million uh, amazing people who who um, yeah, my book would not have been possible uh, without them because uh, you know they have been studying and researching this topic for for years and decades. Um, I'm thinking of you know obviously Michael Kimmel of Jackson cats um, who uh, have created, I think, really, really good pieces of scholarship and research, but also really accessible stuff. You know, Jackson Katz has this TED talk um, that went viral where he, you know, talks about the way that even, you know, how our language is so gendered, right? Um, so I also think a really good, just a film, like a really, uh, you know, I think digestible uh, film is called The Mask We Live In, um, which is a uh, 
created by the Misrepresentation Project, which is an amazing organization, again, to just start with too, um, where they basically talk to several experts and, and interview several experts um, and, and lay out, I think, the crisis um, that, that is occurring with boys in America. And, um, and I would also point you to um, organizations like A Call to Men. Um, I, I actually donated um, all the proceeds from, you know, any proceeds I made from my book tour to, to that organization because they're really on the ground doing stuff. They're, they're creating programs for men and boys. So you can actually, um, you know, find some of their, you know, not, not just get their curriculum and get some of the support um, you, you might need when you're raising a boy, but they also, yeah, they organize workshops, they organize events. Um, they're amazing. You know, I, I think models out there like Wade Davis, like Matt McGorry, uh, Thomas Page McBee. Um, these are men who, are yeah just I think really good people to just follow and to uh use as even conversation starters I I think with your um your your sons um because I also think they're kind of cool you know like Matt McGorry's like a celebrity like that's cool he's on tv and he's you know in many ways like your prototypical sort of sort of alpha male um but he's also really wrestled with a lot of these questions and so um yeah that's that, that's where i would point uh point you to um i, and I think yeah i mean respectfully like i'm i'm psyched to have all these resources but je- oftentimes uh my listener is like listening while doing other things right and and the podcast right. is great because it's a great way to take in information without having you know without having to go do a bunch of things so i'm wondering like you yes. know i mean i guess one of the things that off the top of my head that i would want to like kind of identify and kind of point in here would be say like don't say don't cry, right? Like you oh, don't yeah. any kid, right? Yeah. Like, but you know, you, you, what are what are some of the? I mean, but I think it's really helpful to like lay these basics out to say, okay, you know, yeah, you yeah. are allowed to have these feelings. Like, what are what are some tangible? You know, I guess that's what I'm kind of reaching for is like some tangible things. That oh, right, have. yeah, yeah. I I think in in the same way that that again we have thought about what we're telling girls you know that uh, i think a common uh instruction recently has been you know don't validate her just based on her looks right so don't necessarily you know tell her how pretty she looks maybe tell her how how you love how curious she is or how adventurous she is or how kind she is right i think the same thing relates to boys so how are you complimenting your son. How are you validating him in, in, in the world? Um, and, and so, yeah, if it's constantly on, look how strong you are, I don't know, things, you know, I think we mm-hmm. fall into even sort of weird scripts with, with boys and girls of, of like conquering and, and you know, uh, that it's acceptable for, for young, you know, boys to, I think, be unkind to girls because they like them, right? That, 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 that he's bullying her, her pigtails because he likes her. Like, no, that's not cool. Um, I think that you can teach consent from a really, really young age. Mm-hmm. Um, we associate consent with sex and obviously it is very primordial in sex, but it is something that you can start teaching your son and daughter, by the way. I mean, whatever their gender is, um, does that, you know, does that other child want to play with you? Did you ask them if they want, if you could play with them first, right? Um, if they are told no uh, and they are feeling mad, process those emotions with them, right? Mm-hmm. Teach them that that that, 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 that it doesn't mean that there's something wrong with them. It just means that that person doesn't feel like it. There could be a million reasons why they are, you know, uh, quote unquote, rejecting you in that moment, but it's actually not a rejection, right? So th- these, you know, uh, there are a million examples of, of the ways that you can talk about consent um, from, from a really young age without ever mentioning sex or without ever mentioning your, you know, his body or her body. Um, and and I think that the, the other thing, you know, particularly for, I, I don't think there's an age that's too to teach this but but you know the flip side we we often focus on how to teach boys not to hurt girls but we don't teach them how to love girls right like we teach them how not to rape but we don't teach them how to flirt so i think that the flip side is you know teaching particularly teenage boys how do you seduce a girl how do you you know uh 
courtship is, is really important. It's really stress inducing. And if you don't talk about it, they're going to rely on what's on the internet or, you know, what their kid, their friends are saying. And maybe they have amazing friends. Maybe they just watch, uh, you know, very educational shows and have never watched porn, but chances are they're getting that sexual education elsewhere. And so fill the void, you know, and, and make those conversations positive it's often so negative in the way that we have them. Even when I think about my conversation around, you know, sex, it's like, don't do this and don't do that. And don't get caught this and, you know, don't catch this. And, and I think that we forget about love. We forget, we forget about, you know, how important it is for, for men to be taught how to read a woman's nonverbal signs, right? How to tell if someone is interested in you, um, not just based on what they're saying with their mouth, but saying w- with their body. Um, and mm-hmm. one final thing I would say is, um, you know, something that was uh, uh, told to me by a professor in masculinity um, who said, you know, gender is like a Swiss army knife that there's all kinds of different tools, right? There's magnifying glass, there's a knife, there's, you know, the corkscrew. And for, you know, raising boys, it's not about taking away any of those tools. It's not about saying there's, you can't be violent. It's not about saying you can never be competitive. It's not about saying you can never want to, you know, get the girl. (laughs) It's about saying, it's about expanding the tools. It's about giving them more ways to express themselves in the world so that, yeah, if the moment is right and something, you know, asks for it, then yeah, maybe aggression or, or dominance is called on as a response. Um, but that should not be the only response, right? So many men, when I interviewed them, told me, I'm either angry or I'm not angry. Like, those are the only two emotions I know. And I want boys to grow up being able to really label how they feel, to be in touch with how they feel, not be encouraged to disconnect from how they feel. Because as you know, you know, that's the most dangerous thing we can do for any human being to dis- to have them disassociate from their feelings and from who they are is, is the best way to, uh, you know, set up our society entirely to fail. Um, those people will end up again hurting themselves or hurting others. Um, that's the that's the seed of addiction. You know, that's the seed of um, so much of the world's biggest problems. And if we can help people manage their pain and work through their pain and be brave enough to do that, right? To describe that as the bravest thing that a man can do, you know, absolutely, you know, yeah. his feelings. Um, I think that that will not just make the world a better place for, for those men, but again, for the women around them. Um, how, how many, you know, women have told me, you know, that, that dating is, has been a really big challenge for them. Yeah. Yeah, well, Liz, because they don't feel married to men, they feel like a rehab center for them. Oh, oh man! Ooh, don't even get me started, Liz. There are so many uh, questions I could continue to ask you about this, but I want to be respectful of your time. Everyone, go get the book for the love of men. It's so wonderful. Where can people find you if they want to reach out and have questions and things like that? Yeah, so I'm. Uh, if you search Liz Plank, you'll find me. But I'm I'm feminist tabulous on Twitter, on Instagram. Um, I'm Liz Plank on TikTok because you know that's where the kids are. I have no business being there, but I enjoy it a lot. Um, and um, yeah, I'm on Facebook. Um, and yeah, you can get the book wherever you get your books. Uh, I encourage you to get them from your local bookstores. Uh, if they don't have it, you can tell them to order it. Um, and yeah, support those, support those, uh, places that, you know, uh, are so important. And thank you for, thank you for putting this book out for, you know, starting this conversation, make, bringing it out there for doing all the sharing of yourself in this book that you're doing. I think that it's really valuable and I, I really appreciate your effort and all of that. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it too. It was so great talking with you. Um, and thank you for all the work that you're doing. Um, I think it's, um, so, so, so crucial. And, um, I know that it can't be easy, uh, juggling all of these, uh, jobs that you have. Um, and, um, yeah, I I really appreciate it too. Thank you so much for listening to the Mindful Mama podcast. 
end of this amazing episode. I mean, yes, this is such a conversation that we need to have. You know, we need to talk about boys. We need to help them, you know, with this, uh, understand their emotions so it's not driving so much hurt. Um, You know, it is a big driver of harmful generational patterns and we can start to change it bit by bit. So I am so happy, so, so happy that you have listen to this episode and that you um, are thinking about these issues and let's bring it out into the world. Let's share this conversation, start this conversation with others, share that this episode with others, if that helps start that conversation um, and share it with the people of all genders in our lives so that we can start this conversation beyond just women. Um, Yeah. So, so cool. Um, So thank you so much for listening. If you want to hang out with me, IRL in real life, I would, I'm extending a uh, most loving invitation for you to join me at the Mindful Mama Retreat on March 1st, day long retreat in Philadelphia. And you can get tickets for that at mindfulmamamentor.com slash retreat. And if you happen to be really far away, you can't make it for some reason, I'm having an online free event to help free us from harmful, um, sabotaging beliefs that we have. And it's called the Unmartyr Yourself Challenge. And it'll be starting on March 24th. And that you can sign up for at mindfulmamamentor.com slash unmartyr. That's U-N-M-A-R-T-Y-R. So I hope to see you at one of those. Both of those would be amazing. I would love that. Um, And otherwise, I'm just wishing you a beautiful week. I'm wishing you peace. I'm wishing you perspective and awareness and rest. Um, And all those things that we need, right? The, the, I'm wishing you time uh, to take care of, take care of you this week. Thank you so, so much for listening, my friend. Namaste. Real truth alert. Pregnancy, birth, and having a baby isn't all sunshine and rainbows. I wish it were. But the reality is that many people struggle and suffer through this time without the right help or even knowing what they're dealing with. I'm perinatal psychologist Dr. Katayun Kayani, also known as Dr. Kat. My podcast, Mom and Mind, aims to shine a light on the difficult reality that so many hopeful and new parents experience and raise the volume on how we can better support mental health, which is a big part of our overall health. Episodes include personal stories from people who have healed through things like pregnancy and postpartum anxiety, depression, PTSD, and so much more. I also talk with specialists and experts who explain and educate on these conditions, All of this to support parents to know that they are not alone, that healing is possible, and there are resources that can help you today. Listen into Mom and Mind and walk with me through the world of perinatal mental health.